we're going to start. We took several months working on... Um, am I on? Can you... Okay. We spent several months on the book of Matthew. So we were in the New Testament and, of course, went through the Gospels. And not only did we study the book of Matthew, but we looked at, at some of the, the, other four, the other three Gospels um, and, and compared those as we went along. Um, so we've, for the past several years, we've done a study in the Old Testament and then a study in the New Testament and then go back to a study in the Old Testament. And, of course, we've done a lot of Paul's letters, we've done, but we've done long ones like Hebrews and stuff like that. So, um, as well as Ephesians and things that only have five or six chapters. So, we're back in the Old Testament, and we, I did, we did a couple of short things in the Old Testament, but in order to do the Old Testament justice, bless its heart, because it gets, it gets left out a lot of times. Um, some people, there's dust in their Old Testament part of their Bible. So, but we're going to look at, it took me a long time to get here, but I'm telling you, we're going to study the book of Exodus. So it's the second book of the Bible. It's right after Genesis. Um, it is uh, written, tradition says, and not just tradition, but other writings attribute Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy attributes those five first five books to Moses, that he wrote that stuff down. Where did Moses get all the information about Genesis? Where, where, where would, if you didn't live through something, then where would you get the information for something that had happened before? Especially when you don't have a written... That's right, that's right. Uh, and, and so we believe that that was uh, probably passed down from... I mean, that Adam started telling that story, and he told it to generation after generation. And if Adam lived to be 800-something years old, then he told all that to generation after generation that sitting around annual, you know, the Thanksgiving gathering just after they've done all the turkey and everything, they would they'd gather around, and he would tell the story about... Adam would tell the story about cre- of creation, and himself and Eve coming along, and he would tell all that to everybody. So that was passed down, and Moses gets it not too long after uh, after Adam actually spoke it to um, the people who were alive at the time. So, uh, but so Moses wrote those first five books down. Um, so. We studied Genesis. We actually finished Genesis about this time last year. So we ended up with Genesis that uh, the 12 sons of Jacob, who is renamed Israel, those, he's got 12 sons, and one of them is a favorite. He's actually got 11 when, no, he's got 12. So he has, uh, one is a favorite. He makes him a coat of many colors or, or something like that. Um, possibly we said that coat signified that he would inherit the blessing, which is a no, what all these older brothers 
what's that going to do to them? But he was the favorite son because he was Rachel. Rachel only has two children with him. And so he's that favorite son because of the favorite wife. But he was also a tithe. He's what? A tithe. I didn't know that till I read that this week. Okay. Because Reuben defiled, right. um, defiled his, and so he couldn't get it. And a tithe is always the first one. If you had 10 goats going through, it was always the first one. It didn't matter if it was a good goat or a bad goat. It was the first one. And so, so Joseph being 11th, he was a tithe. Okay. How about that? <laughs> and so he got the inheritance. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, but that made him unpopular with his brothers. They sell him into slavery, ends up in Egypt. Uh, we all know are familiar with that story. The brothers come because there's a famine. He works his way up from prison to be the second in command under the Pharaoh. And he's in charge of dealing out the social support system for people who are in need. And he, uh, his brothers come to be taken care of and he recognizes them, but they don't recognize him, etc. They all come to live in, they all live happily ever after at the end of Genesis and they come to live in, um, in Egypt permanently. So that bring, we're going to go ahead and start Exodus right there. Exodus chapter one. I don't, oh, I do have it. And it's turned on. Did you turn it on for me? Thank you. I need a lot of help sometimes. All right. So, chapter 1 of the book of Exodus starts with this. Now, these are the names of the children of Israel, Jacob, who came to Egypt. Each man and his household came with Jacob. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Uh, that's all, that's the, the brothers that are left over. Benjamin is his blood brother. All the others are half brothers. Um, all those who were descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. How many? 70. Get that, get that in your mind. There were 70 persons because Joseph was in Egypt already and he had two sons. So that's, and I, and he had a wife. So that's four. So uh, uh, the Israelites, the Hebrew people that live in Egypt in the very beginning here are 74 or five people, right? Okay. They start off with 75. But I, apparently they're a little like rabbits because they they multiply. And I don't have y'all, any of y'all ever had rabbits? We tried that when I was uh, in high school, and um, it yeah it didn't didn't work out. For one thing, my dad couldn't kill anything, so it was up to me to do all that kind of work that got done. Um, because apparently I'm ruthless. I don't know, but our rabbits never had babies. If they had them, they ate them or something like that. Whatever the deal is, that we never had rabbits. So I, I didn't ever have to kill them anyway. So, uh, but. And Joseph died, and Joseph died, so Joseph is the brother that was there in Egypt already, second to Pharaoh. Joseph dies, all his brothers, and all that generation, they all died, 
But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty. What is it? So they grew in number, but they also grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. What does exceedingly mighty mean? What is strong? Um, when we studied... When we studied the book of Genesis, we noticed that wherever God's people, this chosen group of people, wherever they went, they just succeeded. And um, they succeed when they get to Egypt and, and everything that they're doing. And apparently, just like Lake Wobegon, the, the boys were strong and the girls were pure, pretty. Um, they they were mighty in whatever way you measure mighty. So now there arose, and this is the foreshadowing. This is the, the big statement where things change. And now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. That's the whole turning point right there. Rose of Pharaoh, who knew not Joseph, is the way the King James said. And he said to his people, look, the people, of the, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and it happen in the event of war, that they also join our enemies and fight against us, and so go up out of the land. Um, okay, there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. But that Pharaoh still knew history. That's part of, they knew what had happened before. Um, and just like when the children of Israel, after they've traveled, after they've wandered in the desert 40 years, and they go into Jericho, um, before they march around the walls seven times and it all falls down, and they meet um, Rahab, the harlot, who hides them out, hides out the people that came to spy, and she said, we've been worrying about y'all for 40 years. The people, wherever they had been and wherever they were going, the people knew about them. You know that the Pharaoh has to know. And the people who go up against them are always failing. But he thinks that he's more shrewd than anybody has ever been before. I don't know if anybody has ever experienced that as a pitfall, that you think you're smarter than everybody else, but I think that's where the Pharaoh was. Uh, and so he's worried about that if somebody comes, that they'll go on the side of the enemy that is fighting with Egypt. So he says, therefore, they set task, taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh's supply cities, Pithom and Ramses, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. So they built these two cities, Pithom and Ramses. Um, of course, there's Pharaoh's name, Ramses. And, but I think this is before that time. So, But these are supply cities where uh, food is stored as well as weapons and stuff like that is stored. Um, and they were in dread of the children of Israel, so the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. Um, harshness is another word, the, the way that's translated. So they were just hard on them. Uh, 
if the natural events of them having to work doesn't doesn't slow them down some. I don't know if they thought they could make them so tired they didn't have time to have babies, or I don't want to get into the details of that or anything, but I, that they just make them so tired. But that didn't work. So not only do they make them tired, they they make the tasks harder and maybe unnecessarily hard. Um, we know that later on they were b- making bricks, and we knew that later on they said, okay, We've supplied you with the straw before, but we're not going to do that. Now you have to go out and cut your own straw. Maybe that's what they were doing here too. Harsh. They were making it as harsh as possible. Um, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar, in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor, harshness. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives. That didn't work either. That was the first plan. The first plan was let's work them till they just don't have any time to do anything else. That that didn't work. So he's got a plan B. Here's a plan B. Um, he's talking to the midwives, the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shifra and the name of the other was Puah. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birthing stools, which that the word there is two rock, two stones. So the apparent that that was what they like laid over on. I don't know. I don't want to get into it. And everybody knows how babies get born and all that kind of stuff. So, but somehow they used this this thing that they leaned on or sat on or whatever. Um, and he says, when they're on the birthing stool, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, then she shall live. We're all familiar with that. But the um but the midwives feared god now, that's important to remember because we it as as we go on with this story it looks like maybe something else is going on and maybe it is too but the important thing was those midwives feared god more than they feared pharaoh and they did not do as the king of egypt commanded them but saved the male children alive so the king of egypt called for the midwives and said to them why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? Now, I think God provided them an excuse that satisfied Pharaoh. They had no intentions of ever doing what the Pharaoh said, but the circumstances led them to a place where they had a good excuse. He says, why have you done this thing? And the midwife said to the Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. Those Egyptian women, they were pretty soft and uh, they, they need a lot of help birthing. Like, uh, I'm not disparaging any women or anything right now, but if you go, if you have a baby nowadays, you get a lot of help, right? And it takes a long time and you're waiting and all that kind of stuff is going on. Sorry, I wasn't looking at you specifically, Suzanne, even though I was looking <laughs> at you, but I, that wasn't for any reason or anything like that. So, They said, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. They weren't telling a story. I think they were telling the truth right there. God was blessing the Hebrew women, maybe like they had never been blessed before, and they were having babies just lickety split. They were just spitting out those little baby boys before anybody had a time to say, hold on a minute. So... um. 
They're not telling a story. They're not lying or whatever. That really is what has happened. They, we don't even get to help them. They've already birthed those babies before we get there. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives. By, he took care of them. And the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. So the midwives, even their households get blessed. Um, so Pharaoh commanded all his people saying, okay, plan C. Every son who is born you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. In other countries nowadays, they save the boys and kill the daughters because that stops the, that stops children from being born. Like in China, that's what they do. Um, and, uh, so, so every son who is born, you shall cast in the river and every daughter you shall save alive. I don't know why they did it that way. It doesn't, Pharaoh, as smart as he thought he was, that's not the best plan because there's still going to be lots of babies, but there won't be any fighting men, I guess was what he was thinking about. He was worried about men and fighting. Right. 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 Of course, he doesn't know there's a deliverer that will deliver them. Even though somebody should have known because when, when, Jacob was still alive on his deathbed. He tells Joseph, he said, I, don't leave me here. When the, one day, take my bones to Canaan. For one thing, his wife was buried there, but he makes plans for one day when they're going to leave. So everybody should have known that they were going to leave. Uh, but Pharaoh, of course, wasn't privy to things like that. So, um, this is chapter two. Plan B is get rid of the Hebrew boys. And we already know the rest of the story, what happens with that. Everybody's seen the Disney version of Prince of Egypt or whatever. Um, So here we go. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. Why is that important? Because the the Levites were going to be the priesthood. So it's laying that foundation for this is going to be a leader that, and he's going to be like a priest leader. Um, Even though that's not established yet, that doesn't get established until, uh, Later, so the woman conceived and bore a son. Uh, poor, uh-oh, that's not looking good. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. She hides him three months. Now, apparently, some people were throwing their baby boys in the Nile. and uh, But she hides him and doesn't throw him in the Nile, keeps him for three months, and she's got a plan. It doesn't seem like a very good plan to me. I do not recommend it. If any of y'all are having babies, do not put them in a basket and float them down the river. Um, she hid him three months, but when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, 
daubed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the riverbank. So, got the picture there. It's, it's a basket that can float in the water, and she puts tar and everything in it so it's watertight and it won't sink. Um, and his sister stood afar off watching. So you got a picture of her. She's looking out from a little ways off, and this it's floating in the river. So she's Miriam, watching. Right? It's Miriam. Is that, is yeah. Miriam. Um, but it's stuck in the reeds, so it's not going to float far away. And his sister survived to know what would be done to him. She wanted to see what happens. And if he got carried off somewhere, she wanted to have some idea. I, and she's pretty sharp. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. This is God. This is totally God. Um, cause of all the people that could have found Moses, the Pharaoh's daughter finds him. Um, Okay, we'll read on, then we're going to jump to the New Testament for just a second. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. You know why they were walking along the riverside? Looking for alligators, because they would scare the alligators away before she went in to bathe in the river. Uh, and when she saw the ark among, when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. The Pharaoh's daughter says, go, go see what that is. When she opens it, so it's got a top on it that she can pull off. She saw the child and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews children. Now, did she know that a lot of them were getting thrown in the river? Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, so she's watching. She goes, she comes up. She goes, hey, you want me to go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? She has somebody in mind, doesn't she? The same one that's been nursing him for three months. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, yeah, that's a good idea. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I'll give you your wages. So not only does he get to have his own mother nurse him, she gets, now she's got a job. She gets paid for it. She gets wages for doing it. So the woman took the child and nursed him. She also gets to know the Pharaoh's daughter that way. Um, the Pharaoh's daughter gets to learn about the Hebrew people more through this connection with, with uh, Moses' family. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So how, much, how old is he about that time? probably three to four years old. He became her son and she called his name Moses saying, because I drew him out of the water. Um, so he's three or four years old about that by that time. And she names him Moses. In Acts chapter seven, we have, the, uh, we have a long history that Stephen, right before he's stoned, preaches to the crowd. And in that, he recounts a ton of history of Israel. And part of it is about Moses. And it said, 
Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. Now, this must be 15, between 15 and 20 years later, because right after this, he takes off to Midian, and so he's a relatively a grown man. So it has to be at least 15 years later, by my reckoning. And so uh, what happened during all this meantime? We know in other scriptures that he learned how, well, and in fact, it was this one right here. I don't have the, the other half of his, him talking about Moses, but he said he was, he was trained in all the ways of the court. Here in Acts chapter 7, New Testament, Stephen is telling this story. That, if Stephen's telling the story, that means it was common knowledge among the Hebrew people. What, that, that Moses grew up with the Egypt, Egyptians, in the Pharaoh's household and learned how things work there. But somewhere along the way, he knows that he's Hebrew. Maybe because that one of the Pharaoh's other sons rubbed his nose in it all the time. Um, but, but whatever it was, he knows who he is, even though he's pretty much Egyptian all the way. So now when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren the children of Israel. Now, that's what, he's 40 years old at least by that time. Um, That's Acts chapter 7. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. So he's a grown man, sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. We know that it was, that the, the children of Israel are going to live in Egypt for 400 years. They don't live there 400 years. There's been prophecies about how long they would be there, and 400 years was the number. But they're not there 400 years. They're they're there for 440 years. Can God not do math? Or or what's up with it? We've said 400 years, 400 years, several times, 400 years, but they're there for 440 years. Is that a tithe? Whatever it is, it's 40 years. Remember that. There's 40 years unaccounted for. But um, he saw an Egyptian beating Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and we saw no one. He killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand, buried him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, so he knows what to do. I'm Hebrew, and somehow he may have a sense of who he is, that he's the deliverer of the of the Hebrew people, he's going to deliver them from these stinking Egyptians. And so he kills one Egyptian and buries him. So maybe his plan or is that one at a time, he's going to take care of the Egyptians, one at a time. Maybe that's where the 40 years comes in, one at a time. I don't think that was God's plan in the beginning. And sometimes when we try to take care of it, with our plan, it takes a little longer than if we'll just submit to what God's plan is. <clears throat> but foreshadowing there, I just did it. Um, he kills an Egyptian. That might work out. Except now I come back and there's, there's a Hebrew beating up another Hebrew. I can't kill him. So what do I do? He said, so he has another plan. I'm a leader. So this is what I'm going to do. When he went, uh, he says, 
dude, why are you striking your companion? Don't you know this is your brother? Why are you striking him? And that guy says to him, who made you the boss of me? I mean, you would have thought that they were siblings, but who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Moses goes, what? Moses feared. He said, oh, no, everybody knows. Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Midian... So if you get the family tree and you've got all these things coming off of there, you've got Abraham and he has Isaac. He also has Ishmael, but he also has another son, Midian, that we don't, his name is Midian. And just like, just like Ishmael went off and had his own country because he's blessed, Midian is apparently blessed too. He's the son of, uh, oh, what was his mom's name? Keturah. Abraham had another concubine. I don't know if she was Egyptian, but he, he has another woman that he has a child with, and her name's Keturah. And that son was Midian. So this is descendants of that. that. This is also like cousins of Moses. So, now, the priest of Midian had seven daughters. <clears throat> the priest is Jethro, also known as Ruel. That, he has two names, Ruel, and that may have been a, uh, that may have been a title that he has because El is God. I don't know what Ru is, but, uh, it may mean priest of God or something because he was priest. So I don't know if he was priest of the God or something that the Midianites did. But <clears throat> so the seven daughters, they came and drew water and they're feeding their water and their goats, their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, runs the girls and their, their goats off. And The drive them away and, uh, and they watered their own and they're going to water their own fox. But Moses right there, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. So when they came to Ruel, their father said, how is this that you come, that y'all come back home so soon? I don't know if he thought that they hadn't watered the flock, but apparently that was a problem that they had every single day. And so the father's surprised when they get back home with the flock so early. And they are probably really excited because they get to come home early. They said, well, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. An Egyptian. So apparently Moses, I don't know if he's got one of them cool gold hats or something uh, or, or what the deal is. And I, oh, maybe some eyeliner. He's got those fancy, you know. <laughs> Those are the wings coming off the side there. Um, but they said in an Egyptian. So he said to his daughters, well, so where is he? Why is it that you've left the man? Call him that he may eat bread with us. So Moses was content to live with the man and he gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses and she bore him a son. He called his name Gershon for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. That it means sojourner, a temporary 
person live a temporary situation. Now, it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. But that's a Pharaoh, right? Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came upon came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Did God ever forget any of that stuff? Right. He hadn't forgotten. So when it says he's remembered, it doesn't mean, oh, yeah. It means he is recalling, and apparently that's an activation of reactivation of his plan. But it's been, how many years do you think it's been since that time? 3000 BC, do you know where your children are? (laughs) (laughs) Y'all remember when that used to come on the TV at night? So, it's been a period of time that Moses is living in, in Midian. How many years? If you take 440 years, and you subtract the 400 years it's supposed to be, how many years do you get? 40. 40 years. You think maybe it's been 40 years. God's plan all along, I think, was to deliver them in 400 years. But because Moses was stupid and decided that he's going to do things his way, or he's, I got a plan. And just like any time we try to help God out, yeah, it usually doesn't work out so good. It added 40 years onto it. Um, the time that they would have to spend under the thumb of Pharaoh and the Egyptians, but deliverance is coming. And I don't mean like the movie, down, 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 down. Not like that. This is a real deliverer. God's going to take care of, of his people like he promised. And he's going to take them into the promised land. But it's still not easy. There's still a few things that are going to have to happen. You know what they are. We're going to zip through some of that. Um, uh, we we may not go through all of the the plagues word for word, but uh, but we're going to get into that. And everybody's familiar with the story. But we're as always. I'm looking for pl- places where things that we sometimes don't think about. Something new, because I don't believe that you can ever read the Bible and not be surprised by something new. I've been doing this for 50 years. I mean, and I went to college for five years. I don't want to talk about that. I squeezed my four years into five. But, and I mean, I took all kinds of Bible stuff, and I'm still and taught for years, I'm still surprised at new things every day. Read the Bible through numerous times, still surprised every day by things new. So uh, if you can believe for God to reveal himself, I mean, that's that's what this is. This is the revelation this back, back here, it's God's final revelation. But all of this is God's revelation of himself to us. So if you can believe for God to reveal himself even in a new way, not 
extra biblical, not outside the Bible, but but that he can show something new about himself in scriptures that you're even familiar with. Because sometimes we read them blindly. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not accusing you or anything. I'm talking about myself. I read over things sometimes and just, and don't think about it exact. I mean, I don't think about it a lot, but there's stuff that we miss and I hope that we can find that during this time. All right. Sun's still up. Suzanne doesn't have to drive on that muddy road anymore, at least, but she's got paved road all the way to her driveway and even her driveway. So we don't have to worry about that, but we will get out and it's still sunny outside. You can see your shadow. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your revelation of yourself to us that we aren't wandering, trying to figure things out. You show us clearly who you are. And if we'll dedicate ourselves to a a study and appreciation of your word, your revelation to us, that you'll even reveal yourself in new ways that we haven't seen before. That's my prayer for us as we we go through this book of Exodus um, on Wednesday nights. And I I pray you'll bless us. I pray pray that you'll fulfill your promise to us from Revelation when it says, the reading of this, just reading it will bless us. And I claim that for us for the book of Revelation or book of Exodus right now um, as we study. Bless us as we go home and uh, watch over us. Bless us to be a blessing to others. Um, because what we do every day should point people to Jesus. And as much as we like for other things to do it sometimes, the only real transformation and change and the the only real help that we can give to people is Jesus. Show us how we can do that every day. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.